Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you that we could come together on this incredible day in history that we can commemorate and, and remember what happened almost 2,000 years ago. Amazing. So help us to draw our minds and our attentions to you. Uh, help me to be able to speak forth your word today. And thank you so much for this opportunity. And I pray for each one that's here today to just hear from you personally and us corporately. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Do you find it odd that we call it Good Friday? I kind of, it's a little struggle, you know. Oh, somebody died <laughs> at a cross. Good Friday, right? I mean, I can understand, you know, Resurrection Day, Easter. It's wonderful. It's like, wow, it's great. Let's celebrate. But uh, somebody died on the cross. Oh, you know, celebrate. Let's get together and celebrate. It, it kind of feels a little bit awkward, doesn't it? So there's certain aspects of it that you're like, okay, but there's some good things, isn't there? As we look at, of course, uh, the Bible and tell us what happened on those days, I don't really tend to think of an idea of celebrating Good Friday more so than commemorating uh, the, the date. You know, there was um, nothing that Jesus told us to remember about dates and events in his life other than one. Do you realize that? He never said, Hey, when I'm gone, remember my birthday. We never read in the Gospels, and they all gathered together and celebrated Jesus' birthday, and they wished, and they held a candle, hey, happy birthday, Jesus. Yeah. None of that, and yet that's one of the things we celebrate, and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I, it's great to remember God who became flesh for us and dwelt among us, became one of us, who then his purpose was, of course, for this time. But he told his disciples, take this bread, this bread that was broken like my body. It is my body, broken for you, and this blood, this, this wine, this uh, symbol of my blood shed for you. Remember this. As often as you do, remember these things. And this is what we're remembering, right? That's what he said at that Passover meal with the disciples, and that was what we celebrate now as this Good Friday. And so we are to remember it we should remember that there was several events going on during this time at Passover. For, us, for those of us, most of us probably, who do not have a Jewish descent, we may not be as aware, but this was a time in Jewish uh, history of called the Passover, the Passover feast. It was when God was calling the children of Israel out of Egypt and saving them and setting them free from the bondage that was there. And he set this rule for them, that they were to take this lamb and bring it in, of course, on the 10th of Nisan. And, and we know from history, that was the day that Jesus comes into the temple. And he says, take this lamb and bring it into the house for those four days until Nisan 14. Then you're to kill the lamb and to put the blood on the, the door, the tops and the sides of the door, you know, that we can see as a picture of the cross today. And so that was happening at Passover as Jesus was celebrating that feast with his disciples. That was also the start of a, a time frame called the Feast of Unleavened Bread that would last for seven days where they were not to eat any leavened bread. And we won't get into that, but there's a symbol of sin in leaven. And so there's this idea of purity through that. There was also a, uh, a celebration that was to happen on the first non-Sabbath day after Passover. So Passover was a Sabbath, or if there's another Sabbath, then the first non-Sabbath day, they were to uh, celebrate something called the Feast of First Fruits. Okay? You taking all these notes? 
going to be quizzed later. And then, of course, uh, 50 days later, we're supposed to celebrate uh, Pentecost or Shabbat, which was the main feast that were happening during this time. What's interesting to me and what I want to think about today as we turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 23 Luke chapter 23. Don't you love it when the the teacher tells you how to find it? Uh, It's between chapter 22 and chapter 24. Thanks a lot. Luke, of course, the third gospel there. Really showing, I I decided to go into Luke because Luke is a gospel that talks about the humanity of Jesus. And so we see a lot of detail about him on the cross. On that day, after the Passover meal, He tells his disciples so many things. He prays for them. And then he goes, of course, into the Garden of Gethsemane. He he prays. He says, Lord, if there's any other way, I really don't want to go to the cross, you know. If there's any other way, if the people can work at it, if we can give them a few more rules and regulations maybe, but not my will, but yours be done. And so by him then going to the cross, we know there was no other way but for Jesus to go and pay the penalty for us on the cross. So he goes through, of course, the mock trials. He goes through, uh, and they convict him, even there was no fault in him, of uh, to be crucified. And then I want to pick up in verse 32 of chapter 23. It says, There were also two others that were criminals, and they were led with Jesus to be put to death. So there's three men on crosses that day. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him, crucified Jesus. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on, but even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen of God, the soldiers, if he's the chosen of God, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourselves. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew, saying, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we, or excuse me, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I'm going to be covering a little bit more uh, past this scene, but I wanted to back up a bit and just get that scene in your mind because it's important in a, in a group like this that, that, that God is looking down on this group. Do you realize that God is in our, he's, he's here, right? And he's, it says, where two or more are gathered in my name, which we have done, He's in our midst, and God sees the heart, and he knows everyone's heart in here. How scary is that? You can see right through me. And he says, I see each one of you, and he knows whose are his, 
and whose are not. And this passage really divides that, doesn't it? It says, here's Jesus on the cross. There's two thieves, one on the left and one on the right, one mocking him, saying, save us, come on, if you're really the king of the Jews. And the other one's like, what are you talking about? We deserve this. The wages of sin is death. The wages of what we've done is death. We deserve this. And he says, Lord, just remember me. And Jesus turns to him and says, okay, today you're going to be with me in paradise. And the same choice happens to us in this room. We have people in this room, and God can see and says, there are people in this room that are the ones on the right hand that might say, Jesus, oh, that's just silliness. You got dragged here. <laughs> you didn't really want to be here. And you're looking, oh, is he done yet? You know, that's, that's the truth, right? And then you got other people that, are, that love Jesus and say, Jesus, I deserve what I have, but you don't deserve what you've got. And we can celebrate that Good Friday because of what he's done, right? That goodness. And, and God would say to us, well done, you know, and, and you're going to be with me in paradise. And I, I wanted to bring that up at the beginning of what I was talking about here because the majority of what I'm about to say is to believers. Do you understand? And if you're not a believer, if you come in and you're like, I don't know about this Jesus thing, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to be the guy on the cross that says, you know, I, I'm this guy. I'm the one that's mocked Jesus. I, I've turned away from him. And all we do is we say, God, I'm sorry. I deserve this. I deserve to die. I deserve all these things. And yet, Jesus, you didn't deserve it. Remember me. And Jesus would turn to you and say, today, today, hopefully not today, well, maybe <laughs> you'll be with me in paradise. Please do that. I want to talk a little bit about what I title this message as, having peace in the pauses. Peace in the pauses. And we're going to see several pauses that God has in this story, in this event, that we should take special note of as believers in Jesus Christ. And I want you to take special note of them. As we continue in verse 44, it says, Now it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the earth until the ninth hour, and the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was torn into a picture of of, of opening access to God, that, that veil that used to separate. Now the, the price has been paid and, and we can go and be with God. And then verse 46, it says, And Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. So when the centurion saw what had happened, he glorified God, saying, Certainly this was a righteous man. So even the thief on the cross, the centurion that was there, recognized Jesus for who he was. Verse 48, And the whole crowd who came together to that site, seeing what had been done, beat their breasts and returned. Do you see that? They're mourning. That's a mourning. They're like, something is wrong here. We don't normally get darkness from noon till three in the afternoon. And it wasn't an eclipse. <laughs> Passover is on a full moon. The moon's on the wrong side. It wasn't an eclipse. It was a God, and it doesn't last three hours. And, and and it was a God thing. And they just say, something's wrong here. It says in verse 49, all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. And my question is, where's the disciples? We, we know that, that John was there at the cross as Jesus tells him to take care of his mother. 
But that's it, right? Verse 50, now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good man, good and just man. He had not consented to their decision. Indeed, he was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it in a tomb that has, was hewn out of the rock. There were no one, where no one had ever lain before. That day was the preparation and the Sabbath drew near, the Sabbath that would have come from the Passover meal, or the Passover. And it says in verse 55, and the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb. Now his body was laid, and, and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. Between that verse and chapter 24, verse 1, we have three days that happen. Okay? And all we have in Scripture is, well, the, the lady started preparing spices. <laughs> That's a lot of preparation, right? They're doing a lot of spice preparation. A little bit of cinnamon and, you know, <laughs> what they were preparing because they were going to come back after the Sabbath was over and, and prepare the body, right? The death that was there. And so there's this, this gap here, this pause, if you will, where God has some time go by. Why do we have three days here? You ever ask yourself that? Why didn't God say, okay, it is finished, and then disappeared, Jesus now resurrected, he's, he's, he could have taken him immediately. Or, put him in the grave, and then the, the very next day, here I am, all good. Why the time? Why the extra time between when this happened and when this happened? Why does God have all these time gaps in between the things that he does? Now, we know a bit about what was going on in the spiritual realm, okay? In the spiritual realm, we get little bits and pieces from 1 Peter chapter 3 and Ephesians chapter 4, where it talks about how, how Jesus was preaching to those who were in a place called Hades. Now, I don't want to confuse you too much here. The, uh, no one is in hell today. Hell is a, a place reserved for Satan, his demons, and all those who follow him, which are those who do not follow Christ. Right now, there's a place called Hades. It had two compartments that Jesus talked about when he told us the events of Lazarus. Remember that? that story, and he says, Lazarus and the rich man, there was two compartments. One was in Abraham's bosom, where they had comfort, and then the rich man who lived for himself, he was in torment. And these two compartments in a place called Hades, Jesus goes there and begins to preach. It's like, what's that all about? Yeah. Well, Jesus told his disciples, the sheep will know their shepherd and follow him. So he goes, he begins to preach. The ones that are in in the part of torment, they're, oh, Jesus, oh, I should have, oh, I know it, I knew it, and they told me, and they just run, right? The ones that are waiting, you know, David and, and Abraham and all these guys are like, yes, he's here, it happened, just like the prophets foretold, and they're, young, yes, and they're getting excited, okay? So you get, you get this picture right, in my mind as Jesus is, is proclaiming victory in the, the depths, 
and he's proclaiming the wonderful works that God has done. And I can see Lazarus and all the ones that have gone before, and there's Gideon and all these, yeah, he's, yeah. And they're screaming, they're hollering, they're having a great time. They're like, yes, it's happened. We're going to go with Jesus. Yes, come on, take us out. Take us out here. Let's take, let's bring us to heaven so that we can be with you. What was happening on earth? That was happening in the spiritual realm. What was happening on earth? Well, I can just imagine, you know, I, you know, here's, here's all the disciples gathering together. Yes, it happened exactly like Jesus said it was going to happen. Oh, this is great. And he said he's going to come back in three days. Oh, John, you make the popcorn. Uh, you know, uh, Thomas, you get some chips and guacamole. We're going to get together. We're going to go out to the tomb, and we're going to sit there and wait. Oh, it's going to happen. Three days out. And they're just giddy with joy, and they're looking forward to it, and they all gather around. Oh, wait. That's not what happened, did it? Oh, that's what should have happened, shouldn't it? We say, well, maybe, maybe Jesus didn't really make it clear. Maybe Jesus didn't make it clear. I don't know. Let's take a look at chapter 24, what was happening that day of the resurrection. It says, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and a certain other, and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And they went in and, and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. And look at verse 8. <laughs> oh, and then they remembered his words. <laughs> oh, yeah, then I remember. I want you to just flip with me over to the left a little bit to the book of Matthew, a parallel passage here in chapter 27 where some of these things were happening. Chapter 27 and verse 62. 27-62. We pick up in the time frame exactly like we just covered. and It said on the sixth day in verse 62, which followed the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered to Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember, while he was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say to the people, Who's risen from the dead? so that the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard, go your way. Make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealing the stone and setting the guard. The Pharisees heard it. <laughs> the Pharisees knew. The Pharisees didn't want it to happen, right? They didn't believe it could happen, but they're like, let's make sure it doesn't happen. So they put a seal on it. So the Pharisees heard it. We don't have time to get into it. I've got a lot of passages here that you could take a look at uh, if you want to come up here later. Just 
pages after pages of the times where Jesus told his disciples exactly what would happen. In each of the three major parallel Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Luke, three separate occasions, he, at least, he told them exactly what would happen. Now, when you're reading the Gospels, let me encourage you, Christians, when you're reading the Bible and Jesus says something, you take note of it, you listen to it, you do it. When he says it twice, you should perk up a little bit. Oh, okay. He said it a couple times. That's, that's a pretty important. When he says it three times, right? Three is a, a picture in the Bible of completeness, right? The triune nature of God, the completeness. When he says it three times, ding, 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 ding. You should really take note, right? And he said it at least three times. In the book of John, so many times he talks about these things that would happen over and over and over again. No, they should have been popping the popcorn and making the walk because they should have been ready and waiting at the, at the tomb. You know what they missed? You know what they missed? You know what they were doing? They were full of fear. They were full of anguish. They were full of bitterness. Peter couldn't believe he denied him. They're, they're, they're scared to death. They're going to go to the cross next. They're, they're just crippled and hiding up in little houses. And, and oh, I, don't, I don't know, Jesus. And, and they're just so fearful. <coughs> This is what they missed. Look at verse uh, chapter 28 of Matthew. It says, Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to draw dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. Wouldn't that have been cool to see? But you know who saw it? Look at this. It says, his countenance was like that. It's talking about this, uh, this angel. It was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow, Jesus, as he's coming out of this tomb. And the guards shook with fear of him and became like dead men. The guards were there. They saw it. And the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come and see the place where the Lord lay. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. Therefore, you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. I bet and ran to bring the disciples the word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. You get this idea. Imagine had they heard and not had a preconceived idea in their mind of how everything was supposed to work out and were allowing God to do a work in their life so they could hear and understand the way that God was working in those three days they could have had an incredible three days in anticipation. And they would have come to the tomb and they would have been excited and seen all these things. Who saw it? The guards. And they were afraid and they were falling down. The, the women that were there, the angel said, you guys don't be afraid. Guards, be afraid. <laughs> Girls, don't be afraid. You're, you're fine. Guards, be very afraid. Go run off. You know, Go tell what you saw. And of course, they're scared and they run off and they, they make up a story and all that. those things that, that happen. Amazing. Did you know 
that we are right now in one of God's pauses. After Jesus resurrects, he's on the earth, he meets up with his disciples several times, he, he preaches to 500, he, he goes about, and then ultimately he gets to, together with his disciples and he ascends. Remember that? He's, he goes up and he begins to ascend into heaven and the disciples are watching him. And they're seeing him get smaller and smaller and smaller. You ever try to watch an airplane as it gets in the distance? Like, oh, I think I still see a spot. I don't know. Can I? They're all looking at oh, Yeah, no, that's over here. Let me see it. And finally, I don't know how long they did this. <laughs> they're sitting there gazing, trying to see. It had to have been a little while because finally God sent some angels to him and said, Hey, guys, stop. Stop looking up. He's going to come back down. He's going to come back in the clouds as he did before. But get busy. Come on. Joe, go and share the good news of what Jesus did. He, he paid the penalty for death and for sin and set the captives free, set you free, allowing you to be that guy on the cross that says, I deserve to die, but remember me. And Jesus would say, okay, you can be with me in paradise. Get out and remember. And that's the beginning of a, what we call the church age. And we're in this pause. And so many churches I know, and so many people I know, during this pause, man, I hear Jesus is going to come back someday, I don't know. My life's horrible. Oh. What's going on next? It's like, what is up with us? What is wrong with us? We have the promises of God that say He's coming back soon, and he is going to do this. We don't have that exact day and time. But you know what Jesus told us? We have the seasons. We have the seasons as to when Jesus is coming back. And we can take joy in that, knowing we're going to see him soon. Turn with me, if you like, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Oh, my. When I read my Bible, I get excited now. If you don't have a Bible in your hand, it's okay. You can just pick up the local newspaper, and you'll get the same thing. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. As Paul is telling the believers, he says, you know what? Jesus is going to come, and there's going to be signs. Jesus said, you know, you, you, you look and you see the clouds, and you know it's going to rain, you know the, the weather patterns, but you, you don't know the things that are around you. Verse 3, or verse 1 of chapter 3 says, know this. That in the last days, and what Paul is talking about there in Timothy is, is the days just before Jesus comes. It says, perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Oh, my space and my Facebook, and me and me and me. Lovers of money. <laughs> Boasters, proud, blasphemers. That means, you know, just saying God's name in vain, just having no regard for God at all. Disobedient to parents. <laughs> well, that never happens in my household. No, just kidding. It does, right? Disobedience to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Not desiring holiness. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanders without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the form, now listen to this one. This is interesting. 
having the form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. And he starts to go on this, this, this idea there through the rest of this chapter. He's talking about the church. He's talking about at the end times, you're going to see a lot of churches that look godly, but they deny the power of God. They have their programs, and there's this thing and that thing, and get well, get help, whatever. But they don't acknowledge the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to do a work of God. And I tell you, when I read this list and I look around the world today, are we at the beginning of the pause or are we at the end of the pause? I think we're at the end of the pause. Jesus, I think on purpose, has made it so that every generation thinks, it's got to come soon. It's got to come soon because it's healthy for us to believe that. And Christian, I think a lot of us don't really believe that. Are we getting up in the morning and saying, Jesus, is this today? I popped popcorn yesterday and it, well, it didn't happen, right? So, now, and sometimes we get kind of, kind of lax in remembering that Jesus could come back today. He could come back right now. Right now. That was a cue. It, it, Right now. Just remind me who God is and who I am not. One more uh, verse I want to turn to. Second Peter chapter 3. In light of these things, what does Peter tell us? Second Peter chapter 3. How can we live during this pause with joy and not in bitterness and, and all the things that would cripple us like it crippled the disciples? It says, Beloved, verse 1, chapter 3, I write to this second epistle, both of whom I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first. Now, when Peter is writing these kind of things, it gets he, he uses some difficult language in the, the Greek. And so when it translates to the English, it's a bit difficult. I'll, I'll explain it, but just keep, keep a close ear here. He says, knowing first, scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, the disciples and the apostles, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they were willfully forget, they willingly or they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. So God made the world with his words. And the earth, standing out of the water, and in the water. He's just talking about creation. By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Now, you should, that should ring a bell. Oh, okay, he's talking about the flood account. Another gap, another pause in the history. As God, the fall, and then God allows the world to get so bad, and he finally says, enough's enough, and he has the flood happen. Peter says, I want you to remember all these events that happened in the past and remember the flood and the, the perishing that happened there. In verse 7 it says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, 
are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. He said the same word, the same God that punished through the flood is ready to punish through fire that we read about in the book of Revelation. And in verse 8, But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What Peter is saying, he says, remember the flood and all that, the, the, the pause that was there? He says, God is not slack. He's not waiting for no reason. He's not allowing us to go through this for no reason. He's got a reason. And what does it say the reason is? It's because he's not willing that any should perish, but should all should come to repentance. He's waiting for the last person to be saved that he says is going to be saved. And if that person is here today, I pray that you get saved so that we can get out of here, please. Okay? But that also motivates me. It's like, okay, maybe this guy's going to be it. Oh, God. Oh, he accepted the Lord. Okay, not quite yet. You know, God is not slack concerning his promises. He's going to come back when the time is fulfilled. But you know what? His heart is breaking. He looks at a room and he says, but there's that person. Oh, I want, I want him to get saved. Did you know? Remember back in Genesis, the, the flood? Okay, Noah, your wife and your sons and your son's wives and get in the ark. And it says he put him in. And then there was a pause. Do you know that? He didn't put him in and say, he put him in, and then it says he waited seven days. Seven days. And then the flood came. Why, God? Wouldn't that be weird? Okay, God, we're in the boat. Got all the animals. We're good. We're ready to go. Okay. God, you said there's going to be a flood. I wonder if there's people outside. Oh, man, all the animals are coming. He built that boat for nothing. Mocking, all that, right? Where's that promise that God had? Why was God waiting? I'm confident, I'm certain, that a one person would have said, it's pretty bizarre seeing all those animals just kind of gather themselves up and get in the ark. And, oh, come I'm just going to make sure. Is there any room in here for one more? Come on in. Come on in. The one door that's there. That's a picture that we have even today, that Jesus is the door, the one way to salvation from the wrath of God. As people can get into the ark and the souls are saved, we can accept Jesus as our way and get into the ark and be saved. He gave that pause. He's giving that pause even now. Even now as he waits for those who need to be saved. So don't get discouraged just because God is waiting to come back. Help us to be remembering the heart of God, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And we're going to close in this last few verses. This here it says in verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed, uh, dissolved, what manner of persons 
ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. He says, Peter says, when you've got your brain thinking about heaven and Jesus' return, everything else is going to be kind of silly, right? Everything else is going to be silly. I think about that old hymn, you know. Um, when, I, when I look on Jesus' face, the, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace, right? Just this idea of looking upon Jesus. I, uh, when I was in Colorado, I bought this brand new Jeep Wrangler with this hard top, soft top. I had the tops off, the doors off. I mean, this thing was great. Going up in the mountains, I just love this little thing, right? Bought it brand new. First car I ever bought brand new. It was crazy expensive. And I bought it, and I was at Bible study one night, men's Bible study. And I'm going out with some guys, and we're talking about all the love of Jesus and all this kind of stuff. I got the key in my hand, and I'm going over to the car, and I go to put the key in the, the keyhole, and I miss the keyhole, and I go, and I put this big scrape in the side of my car. And I was like, oh, forget all this Bible study stuff. I mean, I was, I was like <laughs> immediately really mad at myself for being so stupid, and the guys were going to look at me like, <laughs> I keyed my own car. And one of the guys turned to me and said, hey, brother, it's all going to burn at the end anyway. And I said, shut up. <laughs> shut up. I wasn't spiritual enough to handle that right there. But, you know, it's true because the things of this world go strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So as we're sitting here and we're thinking about this Good Friday, as we think of it as being good, someone died. It's horrible to think about that. But it happened just as the promises of God said it would. And had they remembered that, they could have had joy in those three days before Jesus was resurrected. And now we're in this pause where Jesus has ascended and he's coming back soon. And we can have joy and we can have excitement about the coming of Christ. Or we can be like the disciples and be fearful and bitter and mad and just and go through our lives like that. It's our choice. But if we remember and believe the promises of God and see the things that are happening around us, let's pop the popcorn, people. It's coming. It's coming. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking up to heaven saying, Lord, come now. Still didn't happen. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who loves us so much, that you are a God who loves all humanity. You look at everyone who is made in your image and your heart, that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. Help us to have that same heart as we often look at colleagues or neighbors and say, well, God can't possibly love them because they're so mean to me. Lord, help us to get over that. Help us to get past our, our issues in our families and our selfishness and our bitterness and so many things that just cause us to be crippled by Satan. Help us to shed those things and regardless of the difficulties, no matter what happens in our life, help us to be bold as lions as we go out and share the great news, the gospel of you setting the captives free and you are coming back soon, Lord. We are looking so forward to that. And in light of that, Lord, help us to hold very lightly to the things of this earth, the relationships of this earth, the issues of this earth. Help us to hold tightly 
to you in this pause. Help us to have peace in our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.